How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. To be quite frank with you, I don't even want to win 74 games or 75 games. It's brutal. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. And we're back with another of the uh, team preview podcasts today. Today, we're going to be looking at a team which I know that plenty of you have got questions about. And that is, of course, the Golden State Warriors, a team that's uh, had a pretty interesting offseason, to, to say the least, and to talk about everything that's gone on with the Warriors and what we can potentially expect from the Warriors for the upcoming season. I am joined by the host of the Locked On Warriors podcast, the host of the Real GM Radio podcast, the co-host of the Dunked On Basketball podcast, a writer for The Athletic, a writer for Sporting News. Danny, have I covered everything? It's Danny LaRue. Uh, pretty pretty much, just enough, and uh, so happy to be on. It's good to, good to have you back on, Danny, when we're going to be talking about the Warriors. Locked On Warriors started a couple of weeks ago now, I believe. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. So if you guys aren't checking out Danny's stuff over on Locked On Warriors, uh, I suggest that you go and do that. Obviously, um, great Warriors-centric con- content over there. Plus, Danny covers all the other NBA stuff with Nate over on uh, the Dunked On podcast as well, which I'm sure most of you or all of you are already listening to. And uh, if you're not, I suggest you go and do that. Danny, we're going to be looking at uh, Golden State today. But before we get into Golden State, I- I've got to, during this week, I have to ask all my guests this question. What's your knowledge of Australian football like? It's admittedly very, very limited. Uh, I, I got into, I, I watched a little bit of rugby during the Olympics, which I know is different, yep. at least a little bit, but so it's it's not great. Okay. The reason the reason I asked, Danny, is because it is our, it's our Super Bowl equivalent this week here in Australia of the Australian Football League, and my team has not been in the grand final in 55 years, but we are this week, so I'm I'm pretty pumped for it. We've been in we've been in the competition for 91 years, and we've made it to two of these, and this is this will be the third. So it's a pretty big week. So I'm just trying to get support happening for the Western Bulldogs over in America as well. You're in the Bay Area, you can start flying the red, white, and blue over there as well, and getting the getting the the support happening from uh, from across the ocean. Well, that's fantastic. I wish them the best of luck. Let's see how we go. We've we only we've won we won the title once, and that was 62 years ago. So it's it's been quite a while. So pretty uh, pretty pumped for this week. It could all go down in flames, but happy to be there. And I just, I just need to get that out all this week because I might never have a chance to do it ever again. And that's basically been the history of this team. But let's talk Warriors. Let's talk about this team who had a chance last season to to win the title. Didn't quite get there in the end uh, after unfortunately blowing a three one lead while having the league's first unanimous MVP, which I'm sure you've heard about before, Danny. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's been mentioned a couple of times, but now they've got Kevin Durant. He's he's here. We know we know this. We know what this team is going to look like. We know how you know, potentially scary they are. But with all these players, Curry, Clay, Durant, Draymond, these four guys on the team, it's there's a chance that this team puts up a, a historic offensive rating and offensive efficiency, um, and they could you know, potentially be the best offensive team we've seen 
ever. Does that, to you, mean that there's going to be more blowouts from this team this year? And we've already heard um, the team come out and say they're going to be more proactive with resting players. How much of an issue well, how prevalent do you think that's going to be of players, you know, having reduced minutes, sitting last quarters, sitting out games? I think it's going to be significant, and there are a lot of reasons for it, but it's really the confluence of two different things. And so one is that this is going to be a historically great team when everybody's healthy, and so they will have these leads from time to time, or probably more often than that. And then the second part is that change in philosophy. Last year, they were pushing the the wins for a couple reasons, but the big ones were because they could. And then the other one was because the Spurs were right behind them. It gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but the San Antonio Spurs won 67 games last year. They were the 12th team in NBA history to do that. That's a, a really impressive mark. And so that meant that the Warriors were pushing for the number one seed, which Coach Kerr said was very important to him, all the way until about the last week or two of the season. So they not only had this internal pressure to maximize the opportunity but that external one and then when they lost the title one of the big takeaways and this was true at at media day which was on monday was that you know if that history is there maybe they maybe they push for it but that it's not going to be a driving force for the warriors this year yeah and we've heard now that was the quote at the start of the show from from draymond green talking about 74 75 games it's not in their collective mind and and last season that was something that the players wanted and steve kerr allowed those players to go for that i don't think it was something that he was all that keen on attacking but he said look the players want to break this record let's let them go for it but the players obviously have broken the record now and they're more like okay let's just make sure we win the title so it is a concern with players that yeah, Steph Curry was the number one player in fantasy by a significant margin last season. He was 40% better than the player who was number two, and that was Kevin Durant. But both of those guys are going to take a step back, and it is going to be somewhat of a concern for you this season drafting those guys. Now, we still have on a per-game metric, you know, Steph Curry ranked as a number one player, but I wouldn't take him at number one. I think that, you know, that the risk of of games being missed, especially as we head into March around fantasy playoff time, it, it is going to increase. It's not going to be a rash of things where they're just going to be sitting out four games for the entire week. They're not going to sit out an entire week, but there might there'll be a game here that one guy sits out and then Kevin Durant might sit out the next week. And minutes, you have to think that they're, they're not going to play the same minutes as last season. There's almost no chance that Green, Thompson, Curry, and Durant play the same minutes they did last season, is there? Not in the regular season. I mean, we'll see what happens in the playoffs, but the NBA playoffs are outside of the fantasy playoffs. So that isn't yep. really a concern for fantasy basketball. And But it is a real concern for people who want to who wanna have the Warriors on their team. And the way that I would phrase it is that you're, there's a lot more variance with these guys now, and it's more downward because, you know, there are Curry can only score so much you know like he, he's not gonna have another season like last year because very few people ever have and in the in the era of fantasy basketball i'm not sure anyone ever has and so just on the law of averages that's gonna go down and there are all these pressures and one of the ways to think about this is just that there is this intersection in basketball between efficiency and volume and so generally speaking the you know the more shots you take the fewer of them, the lower proportion of them are going to go in, but you know you'll make more shots. And so the Warriors last year had some of that because he's a freak and a monster and all of those sorts of things. But really, that's what you're going to be balancing. So Kevin Durant, you know, he might have his most efficient season ever, but it might also be one of his least productive of the years that he's actually been healthy, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Things went 
and they didn't go perfectly, obviously, because the Warriors didn't end up winning the title last season. But so many things happened that nobody really could have predicted what would happen in terms of, especially the way Curry played. You know, Draymond took his game to a, a new level. And one of the things that I was saying before last preseason is you know, Draymond had a huge breakout the year before. I said, like, how is he realistically getting better? And I didn't expect that he was going to be doubling his assist total. Like, that was just stuff that was just, it couldn't really have projected in that sort of level. Now, to think they're going to get better from that is is folly. I still think that these guys are going to be good, and Curry and Durant are still guys in the top four. But to me, they're a little bit more appealing in a rotisserie sense where you don't have to rely upon them in a games played situation per week in a playoffs to get them over the course of the season. Their efficiency will probably go up in the environment that they're going to be playing in. We're hearing talk about Kevin Durant being used as more of a facilitator. He's a guy that was around five assists per game anyway last season, so maybe that goes up. So all these things can still happen. They're not going to drop off and score 18 points a night or anything like that, but they're also probably not going to be up around the 30-point-per-game mark. So it definitely does push them down, and I can understand hesitance in drafting those guys at the top of the draft. Now, the other way that they can do it, Danny, is they can use staggering a lot more this season and basically have you know, one of Curry and Durant on the floor at pretty much every minute of the game when they're all playing, can't they? They can, and there's a very decent chance that they will. It's something I've advocated because it makes sense, and especially early in the season, it makes sense as a way to give Durant kind of a, a safety blanket, if you want to call it that, more like what he's experienced in Oklahoma City because when he was on the Thunder, every time, even when they had Harden, when they had all those talented players, he had the ball in his hands a lot. And that he's Durant is the best isolation scorer in basketball. He's good at that. And so to give him a few minutes to really just go wild is 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 a possibility there. But there's also this chance that Coach Kerr and the staff will want to really fully fully engross him in the Warriors philosophy, which is ball movement and player movement. There was a lot of talk about that yesterday. And if they go that route, then they would still stagger at, to some degree just to, to do it, but maybe they'll have somebody else on the floor. And what makes this team so wild is that their staggered lineups are still going to be really good. And you can make arguments about, you know, who you want to separate and who you want to have together and all that sort of thing. And that will be a, you know, something to watch this season, both from a from an NBA perspective and also from a fantasy perspective. The reason I bring that up from a fantasy point of view is if those guys do stagger, it's not a situation that Curry, Durant, Thompson, and Green are going to be playing together all the time. So you say, okay, Durant took so many shots last season, so he's going to come in and, you know, five shots have to come off Curry and five shots have to come off Clay. It won't work that way because he'll play some of his time without those guys. So he'll still be able to get his shots. And then so his shots then come off the guys that were departed as well, like Barnes, but the bench players as well. Brandon Rush, Leandro Barbosa, he takes some of the, the shots that those guys would have had in that second unit too. So it's not just a case of, okay, he comes in, he's playing with Steph, and therefore Steph can't shoot the amount of times that he did. He loses five shots, and Clay loses five shots. Well, maybe they lose two shots, and then you know, Durant absorbs Barnes, and he absorbs Barbosa, and he absorbs Rush, and he absorbs those shot attempts as well. So it's not as simple as like, okay, he's taking over Harrison Barnes's role, but he's going to take more, so everyone else is losing. Yes, they lose, but it's not going to be in as significant an amount as just a straight, let's just divide the shots between those from those four, three guys into those four guys. Now, it's it's not quite as simple as that because of the ability to put those guys in, uh, in different situations. Now, the team, Danny, is obviously super strong. They won the 73 games last season. Let's get a prediction out of the way now. How many games do you think they're going to win this season? I've been leaning towards 68. Okay. It sounds high. It is high. But 
I, I did an over-under podcast for Lockdown Warriors a couple days ago, and what strikes me when I think about this team, and as you know, I've been thinking about the possibility to run on the Warriors for a long time, is yep. that even if they have their foot off the gas pedal, you know, from a from a you know a perspective standpoint, from a, not not necessarily effort, but just mentality of you know not wanting to step on the other team's throat all the time, they're still going to beat almost everybody. Like that's how good this team is. Is that their off nights are better than almost everybody else in the league. So I think they can get to 68, 69 wins while still not being as you know being that team that's just taking everybody out and. One big difference between them and the team that I think about a lot with this is the the first Miami Heat team, the team that ended up losing to the Mavericks in the finals. And what's different is, first of all, they have four really good guys as opposed to three. And Miami, I'm not discounting LeBron and Wade and Bosh at all, but they have a lot more depth around them. And that depth might be interesting in terms of a fantasy perspective because it's more just like kind of role players who are going to help out. They aren't going to take as many shots. But in terms of wins and losses, they will definitely help because they're not so reliant in all facets of the game on those four stars. Yeah, absolutely. I, can, I think I've got them at 65 wins, and maybe I'm a little bit low. I think Vegas has got them at 66 and a half as the over-under at the right. moment. And you know, anywhere between that 65 to 69, 70 range is, is fine. I, I don't think they're going to – we mentioned it already. I don't think they're pushing towards you know, trying to break that record again. But even if they really tried to be bad, it's going to be tough for them to win less than 60 games, even if they deliberately tried not to. I reckon just the talent would, would just overcome that sort of stuff. Now, we hear about the death lineup last season a lot. Danny, Kevin Durant coming across, replacing Harrison Barnes. So that means Durant is going to be potentially playing more minutes at the four this season. But I think that that might be a little overblown. Last season, according to basketball references, positional estimates, Draymond Green only played 20% of his minutes at center. So that would mean 20% of Durant's minutes come at power forward, which is similar to what he did in Oklahoma City. Do you see him playing actually more for in Golden State, or do you think it would just be sort of business as usual for him in that sort of positional situation? It could be a little bit more, but it's not. I don't think we're going to see much of the whatever we're going to call the new death lineup during the regular season because there won't really be a need for it. And so Draymond, having covered him for years now since he started in the league, he's talked pretty openly about how playing center takes more out of him. And that means that you only want to use it when you really need to. And so there will be times when they're, you know, five points behind with five minutes to go that they will that they'll lean on it. But the Warriors have a bunch of centers, like true centers on the roster for a reason. And that reason is so they can sop up minutes so that Draymond doesn't have to do that as much. And then when the postseason comes around, hopefully they will go to those lineups more often because they can. And because at that point, hopefully they'll be fresh. But in terms of thinking about it for the regular season I, I really don't think we do but I will also differentiate the death lineup from Durant playing power forward because one of the outstanding questions with this team if they do the stagger that we just talked about is well where's Kevin Durant going to fit in where's he going to play with that and there's a chance especially if they are really going against second units that playing Durant at power forward won't be that hard for him defensively so maybe you play you know one true big man Durant Iguodala, however you're going to do it, Livingston, Clark. Like, that's kind of what I think of as the Durant stagger lineup. So, yeah, nominally he's the four there. But it's also incredibly important to remember that that's the nominal four because Kevin Durant is such an amazing offensive talent that the other team is always going to put their best defender on him. So, really what that is doing is it's creating more space for everybody else and also the fact that if you're playing Durant against second units, there's nobody who's going to be able to stop him. 
So he'll be doing well, whether it's listed as the four or listed as the three. So we've got that you know, question asked over at Basketball Monster. Basically, just you know, does that improve his big man stats? And I look at it and say, look, he averaged over eight rebounds a game last season. So I don't really see him getting in excess of eight rebounds a game this season, considering he's not going to be playing the 36 minutes a night that he played last season. So even if he did play, say, 5% more of his minutes as as a four with only one of the big men on the court, I don't think it's going to mean that he's going to be going out there and pulling down nine rebounds a game and blocking you know 1.7 shots a night. I don't think much changes in terms of what his you know, statistical output is in that sort of situation. It's not like, he okay, he's closer to the basket. He's going to shoot a higher percentage. Like the guy's still going to take the shots that he always takes. Like Nothing is going to change in that sort of sense. So he might play, but I don't think it may play more at the four, but I don't think it's going to really change anything in terms of what he does you know, statistically in terms of those more sort of big man traditional stats, like a high field goal percentage, more blocks, more rebounds. I think that it basically just remains the same in that sort of a sense. Now, I'll, I'll make. Well, can yep, I make one ahead. comment on that? Yep. I, I think that you're completely right on rebounding. There, except the only possibility there, and it's not a likelihood, but a possibility, is that Oklahoma City had some very good rebounders last year, and That's so just true. playing with different guys might help that. Draymond is good as well, but just having Adams and Canner and all those guys out there all the time. But the one that might change is blocks, and the reason for that is Serge Ibaka was a, a it wasn't is a great weak side guy, and had kind of had a little bit of freelancing and everything like that the Warriors might give Duran a little bit of that just because I think he enjoys it like he relished that during the conference finals when they faced the Warriors and so he might have a little bit more latitude and the other aspect of Durant as much as he's been in the league and is an established star and everything like that is he's so long that if he gets into a more switch happy system which the Warriors presumably will be defensively he might just get some blocks kind of not by accident but by the other guy making a mistake and so, like, you know, maybe it's they thought they had enough space and they didn't. It's actually something that happens for people who watch the Pacers. Miles Turner gets these a lot because people just don't realize how long he is. And so he gets a couple extra blocks. Happened to Tayshaun Prince when he was younger, too. And so those types of things might, you know, maybe that makes a little bit of a difference. I'm not completely sure, but I wanted to mention it because don't be surprised if his block numbers tick up a little bit just as out of the sheer novelty of everything that happens. Yeah, look, that's that's definitely a possibility because the guy's seven foot tall. Like he he can say that he's six nine or whatever. He you know, he might be listed that he's he's not six foot nine. He's a legit seven. Yeah, he's, I saw. I walked next to him yesterday. He's seven. Yeah, he's he's huge. Like there's there's no problem with that. And yeah, we've seen how long his arms are. So look, that is a definite possibility. I think we've got him projected at a very similar block rate to what he had last season. But that could easily go up. You mentioned it. Yeah, Ibaka is. You know, far and away the best shot blocker that would be on either last year's Thunder or this year's Warriors. So there is going to be more of his ability to go and sort of attack in that sort of a sense. Now, the Warriors in the, the NBA draft, Danny, they had um, had one selection, but they did buy a second selection. Let's go with the first one of those first, and that was Damian Jones, who they picked the center out of Vanderbilt at pick 30. He's currently rehabbing from that uh, torn uh, pectoral muscle at the moment. What do you make of, of Jones? Obviously, the Warriors lack a, a real rim protector. We've discussed that a little bit already, but Jones is not going to be ready to start the season. Um, is he just going to be that player who, who spends majority of the season down in Santa Cruz? Or do you think that the Warriors need for for some bigger bodies at times and to you know, reduce the wear and tear on Draymond from playing that center position way too much might mean that he plays a few more games than, say, other Warriors rookies have in the past? So... 
It's going to depend on a few big factors. So the first thing is how quickly does he recover? Because it's always hard when you kind of hit it midstream. He's It looks like he's not going to be around for training camp. You know, we don't know exactly how long it's going to extend. But that's always hard, not only when you're a rookie, but any point when you can't really mesh in that way. But that said, the Warriors don't have such a dominant group of centers that if he plays well, he's buried anyway. You know, like there are teams that have that at various positions. I'm sure you're talking about it when you talk with with experts on every team about these guys who it's like, it looks like they're really good and, and they just can't get minutes. If Jones is as good as, you know, he could be, he has a lot of physical potential, then he could earn himself a role. You know, it won't be a big one. You know, maybe maximum, let's say, 10 to 15 minutes a game in the regular season then still out of the playoff rotation. But in terms of, like, let's say, drafting him in fantasy, this will be a common refrain when we get to the non-star guys, is that you want to play it by ear because there's a possibility that it works, but it's absolutely far from a certainty and probably less likely than more likely. You talk about the guys that are in front of Jones. We've got Anderson Varejo, who who knows why he's on an NBA team at this point in his career. There's JaVale McGee, perhaps. We don't even know if he'll make the final roster. Um, actually, quick, do you, do you think McGee gets a 15th spot on the roster? I think Elliot Williams gets it, okay. uh, but but I, I I want McGee to get it, so I, 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 I can does. mention that as well. Oh, everyone does. Yeah, uh, look, and, and again, it fits that need. Do they they need uh, some sort of rim protection so McGee can be this? But there's Varejo, there's McGee, there's you know, James Michael McAdoo. There's the other guys who are you know, backup centers. Zaza Pachulia is not going to be able to play 30 minutes a night at this point in his career, and not that the Warriors are going to want him to. So there's not like there's this great stash of talent that's in front of him. And Jones is at the bottom of that list for now, but maybe he starts to show up. But missing training camp is a real concern. He, he's a he's a decent shot blocker. He's a good rebounder. He, he's shown a little bit in terms of developing something of a, of a mid-range shot. It's obviously not there yet, but yeah, he, he can get there. He's got some athleticism. It's just, I think he's obviously going to be a few years away. But again, like you mentioned, the roadblock in front of him is hardly concrete. There's lots for him to, lots of opportunity for him to get through if things really go his way. But again, it's it's for deeper leagues, it's for dynasty type formats, and it's for like okay, if everything seems to go his way and he works himself into 15 minutes, then a league with that's deeper will have some sort of interest in uh, in using him there. Now the next pick is the one that I'm more interested in. And that is the uh, second-round draft choice that the Warriors purchased to get, pick 38 to get Patrick McCaw, the guard out of UNLV. Now, I've already mentioned that Leandro Barbosa has gone. Brendan Rush has gone. McCaw, aside from being one of the only dudes to rock a headband in Summer League, he looked really good. And he was... I thought I thought he you know, handled himself really, really well in that situation. And the opportunity for him to get minutes almost immediately... It should be there for me. The, the guys that he's competing with for that backup guard role is Ian Clark, really, and Sean Livingston, obviously, at the point guard. But it, at the two, there's Ian Clark that's there. Do you see McCaw fitting into the rotation almost from day one? It's possible that the Warriors do really like Ian Clark. So Clark has to be considered the favorite for it. But what you have to consider with this Warriors team, and it's it's really underappreciated is that outside of their star guys at let's call it let's call it this I use the term the swingman spot so that's forward is that they don't have a lot of depth outside of those guys so that it also extends forward they have Durant they have Andre Iguodala of course and we we don't know exactly how he's going to be used and then outside of that depending on if Elliot Williams makes the team and he's more of a two anyway so we could see 
you know, see Macaw sliding over just out of need. And the other part that is extremely important to mention with Macaw is that even if, let's say, he's behind Ian Clark in the rotation at the beginning of the year, really, because of the lack of guard depth they have, if anybody misses time, they all have to step up. So if Livingston misses time due to injury, then Ian Clark probably becomes the backup point guard and McCaw probably becomes the backup too. So he has a lot of upside in that way. Whether he ends up getting you know a lot of shots, whether he ends up putting up stats or not is, is another open question. One thing to watch with him though is in Summer League and at UNLV, he put up a lot of steals. He's yeah, very aggressive absolutely. in that way. And that is something that it's not, you know, the most commonly, you know, praised fantasy attribute, but it's a nice little thing to pick up from a player. And if he's relatively efficient with his other stuff, then, you know, if you have him on the end of your bench and you need him for a specific game or a specific week, yeah, it might end up working out. But like I said with Jones, but it's it's way more positive with McCaw, you are going to have to kind of play it by ear because early on or at some point, you know, he might just not be getting minutes. So you be patient with him, but he's worth keeping an eye on. And, you know, there's a very real chance. I was very impressed with him in Summer League that he could be, you know, he could be there back up to of the future as soon as later this year. Yeah, look, I think that we talk about Iguodala and his advancing age and his minutes probably starting to creep down over the next couple of seasons. The McCaw can slide into that guy as a perimeter defender as well. And you mentioned about steals as a fantasy category. There are plenty of guys who contribute nothing in any other categories that are useful on a week-by-week basis. Tony Allen is the, the first name that comes to, to mind. He, You add him for a fantasy week, he gives you nothing, but you get two steals a game from him. You know, Corey Brewer was that guy who, if you're heading to the last weekend of a matchup, you know, I'm down in steals. Hey, who's a player who potentially can get me six steals in a game? And it's Corey Brewer. And McCaw's that guy that even if he gets, say, 18 minutes, there's a chance he gets you one and a half steals a game. Not, nothing else might be high. Like, he might only get four points in that time. He might give you half a three. He might give you one rebound or one assist. But he can get you one and a half steals. And that's a significant contribution. He's not going to be someone that needs to be owned all the time. I do like his long-term prospects, as we mentioned, as he moves forward into being that backup wing and you know, in, over the future for this team. But his ability, even from now, to get steals in limited minutes, I think is going to be impactful. And he'll be a player that gets added by me, I reckon, in a lot of situations on those weekends. Where I go, you know, the Warriors got a back-to-back on a Saturday, Sunday. I need two, two or three steals. Who's around? Maybe I'll just give give him a core go. Maybe these other, maybe Tony Allen's been snapped up. Yeah, maybe Corey Brewer's gone. Maybe these other guys have gone. But McCaw's there. I can get three steals there. He won't have to do much in other areas, and that's just all he's going to be useful for. So he's got one real, you know, at this point, real strength in fantasy, which can be an above-average contribution from a player who's likely to get less than 20 minutes a game. So that's why I do really like him, and I do like him moving forward in dynasty situations as well, a steals guy who can hit some threes and can be relatively efficient as well. I think that that, that you know, portends well for his future value. His future value in terms of 30 minutes a night might never come, but... I always look at it this way, Danny, and it's sort of a rule of thumb that I like to use. When a team spends money to buy a draft pick, there's something about that player that that team really, they really like him and they've got roles set out for him specifically. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. And they gave him two fully guaranteed seasons. So that, you know, that that's another sign of it. And he'll be restricted after that, of course. So, so I think they do have a, a degree of that. And he'll also be a good test case because the Warriors have had a lot of really good, player improvement over the course of their career. I mean, Curry and and, and Draymond are two of the best examples of that. Clay improved a lot too. 
but it hasn't really extended too much to their second unit guys because they haven't had much continuity outside of guys who were already good. You know, they've had Iguodala who became a bench guy in Livingston. And so if McCaw can do that, can really become better and stay a part of the team, like I think a lot of us expect him to, then that'll be good for him and good for the Warriors. Absolutely. Now, free agency, we've touched on Durant already, but they also added a couple of other key pieces. Zaza Pachulia is going to move in to be the starting center. He had a really great start to the season last year and then fell off considerably. Um, Rick Carlisle basically removed him from the rotation. He comes across as a guy who's a, a pretty decent rebounder, a good passer for a big man. Not going to provide much in terms of rim protection or shot blocking, but he's a guy that always seems to know yeah, his, his place. He knows you know, defensive positioning. He knows offensive positioning. Now, he's not the same level of those things as what Andrew Bogut was. How much of a step down do you think it, is it from Bogut to Pachulia for this season? So Zaza's a, a pretty big downgrade defensively, more because of Bogut's greatness on that end. He was a top five defensive center, and Pachulia is you know, not bad, but not great, and that makes a difference. But offensively, Pachulia is definitely more versatile. It's probably the best word for it. And what I mean by that is that they're both good passers. Bogut might be better and Bogut can do alley-oops, but Pachulia can be a more reliable, consistent part of the offense. And a big reason for that is free throw shooting. Big bugaboo for Bogut, made him hesitant in a lot of other areas and had to take him out of the floor at some points. And Kerr isn't going to have to do that with Pachulia. He can be more flexible with when he plays him because they don't have to worry about, oh no, the Warriors are in the bonus, they're going to hack him. It's, yeah, look, Bogut, I think, he had his issues, obviously, but he was he was really tremendous defensively. But, look, it's Petrulli's a different, a different sort of guy, a different sort of player. But in terms of what he can do fantasy-wise, he's not in the same situation that he was in Dallas, where he was a great late-round pick last season. I don't think he's in that sort of a situation again this year, just because of the other talent around him. He's not going to be getting as many shot opportunities. He's probably not going to be playing as many minutes. To me, he is just a deeper league sort of player. And I, I think that you know, if you're expecting over 25 minutes a game from Zaza, I think you might be aiming a little bit higher. Do you think that's realistic? <sighs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to figure out with him, just because with a lot of these guys, and this will be true with David West as well, is like if they're not going to be in in let's let's call it garbage time, if they're not yeah. going to be in in blowouts, then that's really going to limit it because you might see a game where Pachulia plays. You know, let's say he starts the first half, plays six seven minutes plays a little bit in the second quarter, plays a little bit in the third, and then all of a sudden they're up by 20 at the end of the third quarter. He's not going to play anymore. Then in those types of games, maybe you'll play, you know, like 15, 60 minutes. So that is a real challenge. And then the other question is going to be when the Warriors need to close games, like when they have a game that they actually have to close guys, Pachulia is probably not going to be a part of that lineup. So I think he's going to play fewer minutes, but especially because they have a lot of guys on the roster. So that's my best guess. The next guy is a guy you just mentioned, David West, who, who can play some center as well. And I think he will play some center on this team too. He obviously comes across on another minimum deal after spending last season in San Antonio. He looked okay at times. He obviously is not the same David West what you saw back in his uh, days in New Orleans or obviously even the last couple of years in, in Indiana. But he's he's going to fill a, a pretty significant role for this team as that guy that can play you know, backup four and, and backup five as well. How does he fit on this team, do you think? He fits well. I, I don't think he's necessarily that, that great in terms of fantasy, just because I don't think he wants to play an absolute ton of minutes. And he's more of a, let's say, a support player than a primary guy. And 
we don't know exactly how the Warriors are going to structure the rotation, but they're probably not going to be running much offense through David West. He'll get his opportunities. You know, he'll have rebounds, he'll have putbacks and everything like that. But he's another guy. I, mean, I talked about this in terms of garbage time. Like, I, I think if something happens and, you know, the Warriors are up by 20, I don't think even if he's only, let's say, played 10 minutes in that game, he's going to be saying they're like, oh, I need to make sure that I get more shots up. I get more looks at this point in his career. He's going to, you know, like, fine, let the, let the young guys run. Yeah, so, so we're talking about guys like you know, McAdoo and those guys can come in and, and get right. some experience and, and some court time. And the other guy I think is interesting in that same position, Danny, is Kevon Looney, who we barely saw last season, who had two issues with both, one issue with both hips, which is a, a real concern for me. How's he looking in terms of being ready for camp this season? And do you think that he's you know, looking to step up into you know, at least somewhat of a role this season? He isn't 100% yet. He said that pretty openly on media day, and it take him a little bit. The hope is that he's going to be all the way ready by the start of the regular season. But Looney, there are a couple of things that are that, are... that he looked good when he was able to play last year. And when you consider that his hip was bad enough that he had to have surgery on it, you know, one than the other, that's amazing. You know, he looked good in practices and things like that. He didn't really get to play much in games. You know, he looked solid in summer league as well. So you have that. And then you also have the fact that he is the clear cut front runner for garbage time minutes at the power forward spot. And with those lineups, you know, he can get a lot of rebounds. Looney, when he was at UCLA, was one of the best rebounders in the country, I think, especially as an offensive rebounder. So those lineups are going to be missing a lot of shots. Most of the guys on the floor aren't going to be carrying a whole heck of a lot. So if he can get offensive rebounds in that, get putbacks and we don't know how his shot has progressed, but I think he'll do pretty well. And he has enough natural talent. There was a theory behind taking him 30 like they did Damian Jones, which is that they have a lot of talent and they're going to have to figure it out. And so teams around the Warriors were not comfortable with basically giving a guy a redshirt year, to use a college American college football term, like basically just giving him a year off. But the Warriors didn't care because they they, they did pretty well without him. And so if if they can if they can get that, you know, with that lost year kind of out of the way, then, you know, maybe he can step into that. And we talked about it with Damian Jones. There aren't a lot of guys in front of him. You know, they they're especially if you think about it in terms of stack like how the minutes really stack up. So he could have a role, but again, it's gonna be sporadic and it's gonna he's gonna need to prove it first. It's investing in him in a fantasy situation is going to be much like the way the Warriors invested in him, and it's going to be you're grabbing him, and let's just see what happens in three years' time or two years' time. But when he went number thirty to the Warriors last season, a lot of people like, of course he went to the Warriors, of course the Warriors stole this guy at pick thirty. You know this guy has got tremendous talent, and he's and he's got upside, and yeah, people were thinking that you know, thirty is too low, but the hip issue obviously enabled him to slide, and their embarrassment of riches, so to speak, enabled them to just say. Cool. We don't care if you don't contribute at all, even in the first two years, really. And it's going to come on later on. And you know, guys like David West aren't going to be there forever. Zaza Pachulia is not going to be there forever. And as Looney gets better towards the end of his rookie contract, then he can move into those sort of roles. So it's definitely a long-term play, but he's a guy that shows some decent defensive skills, you know, ability to get steals and blocks is okay for for a big man. His rebounding, as you mentioned, is really good. And his you know, ability, you know, offensive stuff will, will, will come with time. He is got some ability to stretch the floor. Obviously, that's going to take a bit more time. But he's he's not afraid to shoot it from from uh, from deep. Also, like he he can do that in a pinch. So there's there is a bit to like from him. But 
it's a it's a long-term investment if you're expecting anything really significant out of him this season i don't think you're going to be really all that uh all that successful with that but you know the, the talent is there and we talked you mentioned it a couple of times now the guys in front of him that's yeah there's there's an opportunity for him to get those minutes and develop and then really start to take on a bigger role in the in the seasons coming after this one and this is a it's a hard question for this team danny but we look at breakout candidates with all of these shows is there anyone on this team that you you might you know, put into whatever you want to use whatever criteria you want to use for breakout candidate who's a player that might you know, be that guy it's hard it's hard when a team has four all-stars to, yep. to say a breakout candidate but if i were to pick somebody it would be in clark and clark is a talented player he does a lot of things well and there were a lot of bench pieces on this warriors team that changed over and he stayed and that is important because that means they wanted him and he wanted to come back. And right now he's the he's the clear cut, or he's not the clear cut, but he's the front runner for the backup two guard spot. He's also the third point guard. And so that you know he had some moments in the playoffs, not not the fantasy playoffs, but the the NBA playoffs about where when Curry was hurt, he got some touches and he has no qualms about putting up shots. That's true. So from a fantasy perspective, that could work reasonably well. You know, if that opportunity comes up and. One of the things that you always look for in, in fantasy is a player whose role will expand dramatically when somebody gets hurt. And with Clark, there are three different guys who, if they have an injury or they're tactically being rested, that he probably steps into that role. So if we're discussing, you know, Curry or Clay or Sean Livingston taking games off, the biggest statistical beneficiary of that is Ian Clark. Yep. So, you know, unless McCaw takes the job from him, that should that should be a possibility. That's not. I'm not saying like, oh, take him in the first five rounds of your draft or anything like that. It's just that he is somebody who has that upside that a lot of Warriors don't have because they're properly rated. And and when you're looking, especially like in a, in a DFS setting as well, like on nights where say two of these guys rest and Clark is you know, he's going to be projected at 25, 27 minutes. He's going to be a minimum salary type player in that situation, and he'll produce in that sort of situation. He's going to be a let's add him for a day, let's use him in DFS, and let's move him back onto the waiver wire after that. But yeah, that's really important. What you mentioned is looking for guys that who have got that ability to increase their role significantly if certain situations occur. And we we talked about these situations occurring. The, these guys resting, these guys sitting out games, these guys having minutes limited, and that could enable Clark to do that sort of stuff. So I think he's a he's a pretty decent pick there. Obviously, he does have to you know, battle McCoy. I really do like McCoy, but obviously, as you said, Kerr does like Clark, and yeah, you know, he was brought back for a specific reason, so he's going to have a role, and that could easily expand under those situations. Now, we haven't talked about Clay Thompson yet. Yeah, Clay had that quote a few weeks back that he uh, he ain't sacrificing shit for Durant. So. What does that mean? He has to lose some shots, doesn't he? He can't possibly... Look, every player on this team can't do exactly what they did last season. And so much of Clay's game, especially from a fantasy point of view, is to do with scoring and hitting threes. Like, he's not providing you huge assist numbers. He's not getting bushels of steals. He's not getting great rebounding numbers. He's helping you because he's an efficient 20-point-a-game scorer who hits over three threes a game when you're close to four threes a game. That has to come down somewhat, doesn't it? It does. Having Clay in fantasy this year and pretty much any other year has to be really stressful because he contributes in a very narrow way, but he is great at what he does. Yep. You know, he's one of the best catch and shoot guys in the league, and he is different from almost every guy who has ever had that role because he has this potential to just explode. You know, he had a 37 point quarter, he can have a 50 point game. 
And that is exceedingly different from a lot of these people. But you're right that when he said he's not going to sacrifice anything, I my interpretation of that was and is that what he was meaning is that it's a sacrifice he's willing to make. It doesn't feel like that when, you know, you have this potential for a historically great team. I don't think he cares. Clay's a basketball nerd. He knows that he's a part of history now already, but could be in a whole different way this year. And so I think that that's important. But one of the big questions with this Warriors team, and this goes back to a couple of the players we've already discussed as well, is there are going to be an insane number of open shots for players that are not Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry. Like That's just going to happen. You know, Harrison Barnes got a lot of those last year. Draymond got some of them. And who that is on a given night is probably going to change around a lot. But those will exist. And so, you know, will those go to clay? I think Zaza Pachulia might have some crazy scoring nights just because he's the guy they're going to let off. And so, you know, they're, they're going to be like, oh, well, we're not, we're not going to worry so much about, about Zaza. You know, maybe he sets a screen and you just don't care about him and he just gets open to the basket. So that kind of thing is going to happen. And this is a really counterintuitive thing with Clay, but since he's now the worst passer in their starting five, which is, or, which is a huge praise to everybody else, it's not a slight to Clay. that could actually help him in a weird way because if the ball gets to him, he's just going to take that shot. You know, it's not going to, he, he does a little bit less of that you know, making the, making the right play. And it's not saying he's selfish or anything like that. It's just that when the ball gets to him and he's open, he should be shooting like that. That's what his thing is. And so he'll have that variance. You know, he'll have some games where he just shoots it a lot less, but he'll also have those moments. And I think that's actually goes into this idea of why it's going to be so hard to have any of these top Warriors guys in fantasy is that in any, in any league in basketball, the idea of, the hot hand is very appropriate. And like the idea, you know, like if Kevin Durant is on fire, you have to give him the ball. Same with Steph Curry. And so what that means is if it's your, if it's that guy on that night, he's going to blow up for you. He's going to do fantastic. But the more players with that kind of talent you add, the less likely each individual person is going to be that guy. Yeah, so it's not going to be as consistent. Right. So, so that is a challenge for all of them is that, you know, like, so to, it, it works, you know, if you could do fantasy and have the entire Golden State offense, it'd be great. I mean, I think they could end up being, at the very minimum, the best offense since they moved the three-point line back. I mean, it could be a lot more than that, but that's a possibility. And so, like, you're, you're thinking about that, but from an individual perspective, that's not, you know, it's not necessarily a great thing. So it'll be it'll be worth watching. And, I mean, this is, it's a team that I have to mention this because, you know, fantasy, depending on if you do it for money or you do it for fun, it will be a lot of fun to follow this team. And so if fantasy is something that makes that enriches your interest and that enriches your life, you know, maybe you take a little bit of a sacrifice by having Clay Thompson and just realize, oh, now it's a reason to have a team in the Pacific Division that's going to have these really fun games and that you can watch. You know, maybe you're not watching the fourth quarter, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun before that. And Clay's a guy that is currently being drafted way too high on both ESPN and Yahoo. He's going at pick 21 on ESPN. He's going at pick 20, 22 on Yahoo. And That's way too high. I'll tell you why it's also, also way too high, Danny, is he didn't even finish that high last season. He was ranked 25th last season. So the people drafting on those sites are expecting him to have a better season than he did last season. And I think there is a 0% chance of him having a better season. Like he averaged 22 points a game last year. He hit three and a half threes a game on 47%. Yeah, look, his efficiency will probably go up a little bit, but I don't I don't think there's any way he's scoring more than 22 points a game, what he did last season. I don't think any of that stuff is, is really possible for him to do. But in a lot of situations, he he's going to be, you know, I don't understand how he's going, getting drafted at that spot. But in a league with a lot of knowledgeable owners, he'll slide and he'll slide into the 40s and that's fine. 
If he's in the 40s, then you can get 19 to 20 points out of him. You can get over three threes. You can do it with not even without hurting both your percentages, with actually actively helping those percentages. He's a guy that gets decent steals, okay blocks as a shooting guy. He fits in really well in that range of that 40. But if you're looking to grab him in the second round, I think you're going to be highly disappointed. So just, just be wary of that. But if everyone else is really switched on in your league, he's going to slide and he might end up sliding way too far. And that happens in leagues where people are, uh, are really switched on. It's happened a lot with, say, Nick Vucevic, who's you know, been a top 30 player for many years. And he is literally around in the 70s or 80s now because of this, oh, I don't want to draft him because there's too much uncertainty. And if 12 blokes are all thinking the same thing, thinking, oh, it's too much uncertainty, then it just keeps falling and it keeps falling. And then it becomes a situation where you go, Clay's around at pick 50, I have to take him. And even if you don't think that he's going to have as great a season as last season, if you've got twenty, if you've got thirty spots of value based on his ADP data and what you think he's going to do, then you've got to do it. And that's the situation. But in a league where someone is maybe not quite as informed, they'll grab him in the twenties, and you can just say, "Fine, you can have him. I'll, I'll deal with the nights that he goes off, and you know, the inconsistency will be your problem and not mine." The other member of that foursome, Danny Draymond Green. I don't project that Draymond's numbers drop probably as much as, as Steph or, or KD or Clay, because a lot of his fantasy value comes from what he does defensively. It's grabbing rebounds, it's blocking shots, it's getting steals. The assist numbers is the one that's a little bit um, curious to me. He averaged 7.4 assists per game last season, which was the number one on the team. Yeah, Durant's going to take some of that ball handling away from him. How does What changes for, for Draymond this season, do you think? His defensive stats might actually go up because yep. Andrew Bogut was such a monster on that end in terms of getting blocks and rebounds. Well, Bogut's de- rebounding can be a little bit shaky, so like that—that's a possibility for him, and you know, steals and all that kind of stuff. If he if he gets to kind of freelance a little bit more, assists are probably going to go down. And one of the yeah, one of the things that we just legitimately don't know about this team right now is what is going to be their preferred pick and roll. Because, you know, last year the Warriors offense was built around a high pick and roll with with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. And so in those circumstances, a lot of the time, the ball would get to Draymond Green in a four-on-three situation or something like that. And that's a great way to get an assist. Playing four-on-three is a great way to do that, especially if teams are playing you for whatever reason, stupidly, they're playing you to score rather than to pass, which is what he always wanted to do. So if that stays the same, it actually gets better because they're, they swapped out Harrison Barnes for Kevin Durant. So now you have an, a guy that you have to stick on. So now, you know, I used to say that when they, people always said the, the Warriors would be four on three with Draymond, but it was really three on two because Clay's guy would never leave him. With Durant, if you go to that same logic, it becomes two on one because Kevin Durant's guy's never going to leave him. No. So if that's the base, then that's a really good thing for Draymond. However, there is a very real chance, and I am a firm proponent for this, that it becomes, at least at moments, Curry and Durant, because that is the hardest to defend action in the NBA today, maybe the hardest to defend action in the history of the NBA. And so because you, you if you think about it, like I, I've been asking people on my show for weeks now, it's like, how do you defend this? You know, like, like how do you do it? And there are a couple different ideas. People have talked about switching and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, if it's that circumstance, then Draymond, let's say he goes into the Harrison Barnes role, that's going to be a lot worse for his stats. And so when that is an open question, we're going to do that. But as you said, he derives so much of his value from other things. It's a, it's a very different downside than like Clay, because for Clay, it's basically the entirety of his value is scoring. But with Draymond, you have this other base. But we'll, we'll see. I, I think that it, it will hurt his assist numbers. 
we could see his efficiency go up. But, I mean, the issue with Draymond in terms of that was that he was always taking clean looks anyway. It's not like he was forcing up bad shots. That wasn't his job. So we'll have to see a little bit. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't he wasn't out there taking contested shots. He would only shoot when it was it made the most sense for him to do that, and that's going to be exactly the same situation now. Maybe he gets one less shot a game, but again, you're not drafting Draymond Green because you're just in love with getting 12 points a game. That's not why you're drafting him. You're getting him to get assists and steals and blocks and, and threes and rebounds. And yeah, most of that stuff, the assists, we've got him projected to drop in assists as well, but his defensive numbers go up. His rebounding you know, will probably go up or, or stay similar. His efficiency you know, will change marginally. I still think he's a really solid back end of the second round type of guy, but you can go a little bit earlier if you want to grab you know, the, the numbers that he sort of gives you depending on what you've done in the first round. The other player who we haven't spoken about really is Iguodala, who... He had some injury problems last season. He was nowhere near as effective as as what he'd been at times in the past, and I think some of that was injury. But is there a chance that he is he's starting you know, starting his decline? He's starting to slide, and it could be more pronounced this season. Sure, it's possible, especially from a statistical standpoint. And one of the huge differences with this team, we talked about the prospect of a stagger, is from a you know from a stat perspective, he would be one of the big losers in that because if they put Kevin Durant on that second unit then Iguodala, you know, is going to be a, a much smaller guy, whether it's as a part of that second unit or if you play him with the starters. He'll be efficient, you know, he'll be he'll be good at what he does, but he's going to do that. And the other part of 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 Iguodala that's so hard from a from a perspective in terms of stats is he doesn't really care. You know, like he's not somebody who's out there trying to get his, you know, he he wants the team to win and do all that and if those shots go to him, he'll take them, but if they don't go to him, he's not going to he's not going to grouse about it. And so that is great from a team perspective. But it is very stressful from a fantasy perspective. Look, the dude last year after the All Star break averaged five points a game. Like he's not he's not going out there taking shots and yeah, you know, I need to get my my points. And one of the big things for him in terms of value used to be in his prime was he gets a lot of assists as a small forward. But you know, with these other guys on this team and Steph and Durant and and Draymond who are passing the ball a lot, and one of those guys is nearly always at least going to be paired with him, then his assist numbers drop down. He's still going to get you steals, but to me, his draft position on ESPN is 89, which is insane to me. It's 100 spots too high, I reckon. I don't see any reason for be dra- to be drafting Iguodala in any sort of standard format inside the top 150. He played less than 27 minutes per game for the last two seasons, and now Kevin Durant's here. So, there's no way his minutes go up in that sort of a situation. To me, he's like we talked about maybe with McCaw. Hey, I need some steals. Hey, Iguodala's around. He can give me three assists and a steal a game in two games in a back-to-back. That can that can help me get over the line if no one else is available in that back-to-back situation. But to have him as a regular part of your fantasy team, I I see no I see no explanation for that being something that is uh, you're going to rely upon. He's a guy that you're going to be really mad that he isn't available for streaming purposes. Like, he would be great for that, but yep. he's not going to probably be around. He'll be sitting on somebody's roster making their owner mad. And yep. that those guys are exist in every sport, and they're always really frustrating. Exactly. He's he's that guy that, why, why are you still owning him? Because I want to own him for this one day. But then after that, you can have him back. And that's exactly how he's going to fit. Now, Sean Livingston, the other guy we haven't talked about, nothing really changes with his role. Again, not a high shot guy, but really key to what this team does. High efficiency scorer, not a shooter, doesn't obviously hit threes at all, but you know, rebounds the ball well for a point guard, gets some assists, gets some steals, and does it with high percentages as well. He just remains in that in that backup point guard role, 20 minutes a night, and, and the player who's available for you know, deeper leagues, 16, 18-team fantasy leagues, especially as a point guard who shoots over 50% from the field. Yeah, he's a different kind of guy, and he is what he is, but 
there's also the possibility we talked about it with the Godala when you consider the horrifying knee injury that he had that that he'll wear down a little bit younger than some other guys even though they're not stressing him out a lot you know the Warriors are playing him 20 minutes a game and really don't push beyond that which is also something that is important for Livingston and also for Ian Clark which is that Livingston really does have something close to a cap of like 20 to 25 minutes and so what that means is when there is a need for somebody to play more minutes it's probably going to be somebody other than Livingston and so that's, you know, whether you want to see that as a good thing or a bad thing for his fantasy purposes, you can do that. But that does open up a spot for somebody like Clark or McCaw, because if they don't feel comfortable pushing Livingston, somebody's going to have to sop up those minutes. Yep, absolutely. All right, Danny, before we, uh, before we go here, bold prediction for this team. It can be whatever sort of bold prediction you want to do. You can say trades, you can say Draymond dick pick numbers less than five, <laughs> whatever. However you want to frame it, you can you can do it that way. So I, I was intrigued when he had this because I actually haven't really thought too much about that. So I'm going to give you something that I haven't said anywhere or written anywhere, Exclusive. which is that my instinct is that the Warriors lose five or less playoff games. Okay, five, okay, five. Yeah, that's that. That'd be a pretty dominant playoff run to, yeah, to lose. Yeah, I, I, I think they're ready for it. And you know what's crazy about this team is that you look at you know what they did last year with Curry below 100. percent and now, you know, I think the Warriors are the best team in the Western Conference, even without one of the two of Courier Durant. And that is an insane statement, but I also think it's true that this team is so good that they can be without one of the three best players in the league and still be fine. Yeah, Not no, fine, but good enough. They, and so if they have both of them, it's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry. They could have one of these guys go down a touch wood with a season ending injury and still win sixty plus games. That's how good this team you know, is at, at the moment. And it's it's almost it's almost unprecedented. So it is going to be fun to watch. You're going to be right in the thick of things, Danny. You're going to be you know, watching it. You're going to be at games. You're going to be reporting on it. And you're going to be um, mentioning, you know, you're going to be talking about it on Locked On Warriors. So I do suggest that everyone goes and checks out the Locked On Warriors podcast. But where can they find you on uh, social media so they can keep up with all of your varied work? So you can, uh, on. I'm on Twitter at Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. I'm on Facebook. I think it's Danny LaRue MBA. And then basically everything else from that stems, the best way to do it is probably with Twitter. And I have pages for all my various stuff. But yeah, it's going to be fun. And getting to do a lot of different work on the whole league is going to be an absolute blast this season because there's a, there are a lot of faces in new places that'll be really fun. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like I go to write stuff and I'll go write near Dwayne Wade and then comma you know if i'm doing a table of something of teams and i i instinctively just write heat and same with like duran i'll write thunder and i'll go back no that's wrong i've got to change that and i don't know how long it's going to take me to actually get it out of my head to get these things that were just automatic in, into putting them into their new teams Derek rose as well i just write Derek rose you know next column bulls no I've got to go and change that so there's really interesting things happening in this league despite the fact that the warriors might be just the greatest juggernaut we've ever seen the league's still going to be interesting there's still going to be plenty of weird things happening plenty of interesting storylines throughout the whole league and danny you're going to be a cover all that absolutely absolutely thrilled to do it it's gonna be so much fun thank you for coming on daniel it's great to speak to you again as always thank you so much for listening everyone see ya <laughs>